If you're curious to engage with a lot of the topics we explore on the podcast in more creative and embodied ways, we welcome you to join us in Alchemize, our 10-week audio-based program of daily imagination practices intended to disrupt status quo ways of thinking, sensing, relating, and being. To be honest, without any grant support for our show right now, and we did just get turned down by several mainstream environmentalism philanthropies, this program and our Patreon are our primary means of supporting our labor for these free podcasts right now. We really want to remain untethered to corporate interests, and every small contribution to our Patreon or enrollment in our program Alchemize helps to ensure that we can continue producing these vital conversations that feature voices and perspectives often sidelined from mainstream media. So if you value our work and want to dive deeper with us, join us in Alchemize today at greendreamer.com slash alchemize and join our Patreon starting at just $3 at patreon.com slash greendreamer. Thank you so, so much for however you were able to support our work during these critical times. We are so deeply grateful you're probably going to do some things wrong along the way. And that's fine. You're going to learn from those mistakes, but you're never going to make any progress if you just continue to think about the thing you want to do. Just go take action on anything that you're trying to do. What does it take for do-good individuals and businesses to compete with conventional big companies that just capitalize on being able to do things quickly and cheaply? And how can we even begin to get huge corporations to fundamentally change how they operate for the better? That's just the tip of the iceberg of what we're going to cover today. If you haven't yet, make sure to hit subscribe to the podcast because we have tons of inspiring conversations in store for you. And I'm really looking forward to sharing them with you continually going forward. And now to today's interview, let's dive in. Hey, it's Kamea Shane, and this is Green Dreamer, a podcast for creatives, visionaries, and entrepreneurs dreaming of a sustainable future. Thank you for bringing your light. If you haven't already, make sure to hit subscribe, and together, let's learn what it takes to thrive in every sense of the word. Our guest today is the co-founder and CEO of Conscious Company Media, which shares cutting-edge stories about business as a force for good with its magazine, and also hosts educational events and workshops about elevating consciousness in the business world. I feel like when we think about business, huge corporations, there's immediately this reputation of greed and corruption that comes along with it. And at the moment, kind of rightfully so, but for a reason. I always like to try to understand why things have become the, the way they are in order to better understand how we can begin to even initiate positive change. So I do ask Megan her thoughts on this later, and that to me was very telling in terms of how systemic this issue is, but also how we might be able to start changing the ways that corporations operate and function fundamentally on a larger scale for the better. So without further ado, Green Dreamer, here's Megan French Dunbar, starting off with what got her into the world of sustainability. It was a really random road, as most most of them are. Um, in undergraduate, I studied English and journalism, and then I promptly moved to Costa Rica and taught English down there for a bit and started to just 
kind of see a little bit of outside of my Colorado bubble of what it looked like when development started coming into a country and seeing the tension between uh, excessive development and nature. And so I uh, just got a little, I guess, uncomfortable in Costa Rica with uh, some of that tension that I was seeing and came back to Boulder after living down in San Jose for about a year and immediately moved into the nonprofit space. I got an internship at the Boulder County AIDS Project here in Boulder in their development department. And then that actually just parlayed right into a job within six months at the Environmental Defense Fund in Boulder. And I really was looking more for a job in development. I wasn't really looking for an environmental nonprofit. I was just looking for a nonprofit that I believed in their cause. And I really liked what EDF did. And then I ended up working at Environmental Defense Fund for five years. And as part of the development crew, as you're going out and fundraising, you have to learn about the initiatives that the nonprofit is undertaking. And as I learned about what EDF is all about, which is essentially finding market-based solutions to figure out some of the world's toughest problems, I started to see how I thought that using business and market-based solutions was the most effective tool that I had ever seen for actually changing the world. And so I got super, super interested in that and ended up finding an MBA program based in San Francisco called Presidio Graduate School and did my MBA with a focus on sustainability. And it's not like an MBA class with some sustainability baked in, like literally every class at Presidio was the the mix of business and sustainability. And so it was the best program, one of the best decisions I'd ever made. And kind of from there was, you know, random career path that took me to launching the magazine. But that was really how I came to find sustainability and how it became my North Star pretty much. Yeah. And what was your biggest like light bulb moment as you studied this intersection of business and sustainability? Biggest light bulb moment would be that that business is the largest aggregator of human potential and effort on the face of the planet. And that if you align the incentives correct, you can get businesses to change the world and in a positive way. Um, So it, it was the first time I think going through all of all of my schooling that I didn't feel like totally hopeless. <laughs> um, and that that business really for me was the kind of key to it all. Yeah. And I feel like just as a society, business sometimes has like a bad reputation. Like what do you think it is that instilled this reputation into our world? Like people, people that want to do good, look at the big businesses and it's just, there's a negative connotation to that. Yeah. I, uh, I go back to Mr. Milton Friedman and the whole idea of uh, profit at all costs and having a shareholder-centric capitalistic model. When businesses are incentivized and and actually required to really benefiting for their shareholders above all else and at the cost of everything else, then it makes it so businesses, they're required to focus on short-term profit-generating activities and aren't necessarily accounting for negative externalities as a result. And so I I would boil it all down to shareholder-centric capitalism. And I think that a lot of the, the big players on the scene now are starting to we're calling them conscious curious. They're starting to poke their heads up and Mm -hmm. are starting to understand the value that sustainability brings. Um, But, uh, you know, rightfully so, many of them still have pretty, 
pretty appalling reputations. Yeah. And I love what conscious company media does supporting businesses that want to be more responsible because it's hard to have to suddenly think about all these things that companies didn't used to take into account. And I'm curious, what's been the hardest part for you building out this platform? Yeah, um, I guess from the beginning, the hardest part was probably a belief in myself. I was 29 years old when I decided to launch a print magazine, a nationally distributed print publication. And so um, you can imagine when I told a lot of my friends and family what I was planning on doing, the reviews were mixed and I had some (laughs) who were super excited and supportive um, no matter what I was doing. And I had some people, majority of people who really questioned what I was doing and thought I was completely crazy. And um, it was obviously out of a just a genuine place of concern and people not wanting to see me fail and fall flat on my face. Um, and so having to kind of jump over that hurdle initially of just believing so so wholeheartedly in what I was doing that I kind of didn't care what my friends and family were bringing to the table in terms of their advice. But then after that, kind of, uh, again, there's a reason why people were cautioning us against launching into the print industry. The print industry is a really, really tough business model. And so we've had barriers and challenges pertaining to revenue and growth uh, since inception. And We've just kind of scratched and clawed our way through it, but it's definitely been a really significant challenge for us. Yeah. And what do you think it was that's been keeping you going through all of these challenges? Really, two things. Uh, well, three things. Um, first, my team. I just have the greatest team alive. I, I feel like I get to go to work every day with my buddies, and mm-hmm. we just have this really sweet, tight little team. And I'm inspired every single day by by what um, Rachel and Kate and Nina and Sia are bringing to the table. It's just it's incredible. And then I also have a fantastic support system at home, uh, both my husband and my family and friends and just really, really supportive internal community where when things have gotten tough, I've had a lot of people to lean on who have just been so kind and generous with their time and um, thoughts and advice and just keeping me going. And then we have this like crazy community. Uh, we have people, we have readers all over the world. We have re- you know, thousands of readers in the United States and a lot of people who come to our and attend our events. And um, the number of stories that I've gotten to date of the impact that our work has had on individuals' lives. Like I could use like one of these and, and use it to keep going forever and ever, but we get dozens and dozens of these throughout the year of people saying that what we're doing changes their life for good. And so all of that feedback just kind of is like a little, it's like a gas tank for our team, all the feedback. It's great. Yeah. I just got chills hearing you say that touching the lives of individual people. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. We had a, a great colleague of mine, her name is Jessica. And she once told me that she gave the magazine to her dad and her dad came back to her later and said, oh, this is the first time that I actually understand what you do in the world and why you do what you do. <laughs> and it's like, yes, like you finally get it. And he's been super supportive of her career ever since he started reading the magazine because he now understands what it means to be a social entrepreneur. Yeah. Well, I need to give that to my dad too then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, something that I feel like is unique to Conscious Company Media is something called social entrepreneurship. Like, I don't think I've seen that anywhere else. Can you talk about what this is and what this looks like in practice? So there's obviously entrepreneurs who are people like myself and probably many of the people listening to the show and people know what an entrepreneur is, but an entrepreneur is someone who is internal at a company and it might be a more traditional company. It could be any type of company really who is trying to make change from the inside. And oftentimes we see these as like CSR professionals, but they don't necessarily have to be. Um, and we, we often call them internal champions. There are people who kind of take new ideas to management and are trying consistently pushing the needle on what can be done and trying to make the companies that they work for better and more conscious. And that could be anything from workplace practices and HR policies all the way to mindful practices in the workplace and trying to get better parental leave policies or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, so there's a lot of internal champions that we've been identifying and we, we often label them as intrapreneurs. Yeah, that's beautiful. I don't personally work in a corporation, but I certainly have a lot of friends that work in conventional or like the work for the big guys. How do you think we can inspire our friends in big corporations to talk about social entrepreneurship and to bring this into their companies? Yeah, I think um, really comes down to the business case. Um, and that's one of the things that we really, really try to focus on when we provide content to the public is making the business case for all of these new ideas that we're trying to espouse, whether that be conscious leadership or conscious workplace development or bringing more purpose into the workplace and everything from increased retention rates to customer satisfaction. Um, there's all different ways that you can make the business case for bringing some more conscious business principles into larger corporations. And I will say typically management at corporations, while oftentimes it feels like there's a bit of a barrier and they're hard to approach or, you know, whatever the, that feeling of having a barrier between yourself and management is managers and people leading companies are always looking for fresh new ideas for how to make the business better. And so when new ideas are brought through the lens of here's a new idea I have for innovation, or here's a new idea I have for attracting millennial talent, um, it, it'll go a lot further than just this is a nice thing to do. Yeah, so really framing the benefits. And even as people outside of companies wanting like big companies to change, we also have to frame our arguments in terms of how this will help you. Absolutely. Yeah. And based on you having interacted and worked with so many passionate people using business for good, what have you seen across the board as their greatest struggle in today's landscape? It's different for every company and it's also the same. Um, I would say the top three issues that I'm often talking to a lot of my entrepreneur friends about one is just sustainable cash flow and sustainable revenue models. Um, obviously, social entrepreneurs many times are solving problems and they're so focused on solving these like big world issues that the revenue and the business model actually comes second. And so kind of face putting emphasis on the business model and making sure that there's a sustainable revenue, um, at least one channel, if not multiple channels coming into an organization are a lot of the things that I talk to entrepreneurs about. And secondarily, um, investors, finding the right investors, um, investors who have long-term vision, investors who are mission aligned, um, often 
we call them impact investors or socially responsible investors or however you want to label them, but just finding enough capital to be able to invest in the company to grow it and finding that from the right types of investors is often a challenge. And then um, I would say consistently across the board is the issue of burnout. Mm-hmm. Um, social entrepreneurs are some of the most gritty, <laughs> hardworking, crazy people I've ever seen. And they have this this additional layer because entrepreneurs are crazy just to, to start a business and to put your entire life into it and to have your identity wrapped into it and your life savings and all those things. To take that huge risk to start a company is crazy enough. But then social entrepreneurs, they often care so much about the mission and the purpose of what they're doing that they work even harder than a traditional entrepreneur and they hang on longer um, because they believe so much in what they're doing. And I will say uh, almost every time I meet a social entrepreneur, I always say, are you surviving? Like, are you okay? And when you ask that question, they usually look at you and say, barely. And so one of the things we're, we're really trying to advocate for is social entrepreneurs finding the support systems that they need and finding coaches or mastermind circles or like, you know, peer to peer community networks or something where they can actually start finding help and actually re- reaching out and finding that help that they need. For sure. They have to be in their optimal health first in order yep. to be most creative, be most innovative and keep going. Absolutely. Yeah. So how do you think conscious companies that oddly have to voluntarily be responsible for all of their practices and impacts, how can conscious companies compete with companies that capitalize on being able to do things cheaply and quickly? The main things that we see, and and this is, there's a wonderful book that um, by Raj Sisodia called Firms of Endearment. And he talks about the difference between kind of these companies that are just kind of, you know, a fortune 500 company that's not necessarily taking all of their stakeholders into account versus these huge behemoth companies that are like Southwest airlines is a great example. Um, and he looked at these companies that are beloved by their communities. Um, and like Tom's shoes was another one where people love Tom's shoes and they wear Tom's shoes. And so, Um, he looked at these companies that actually take all stakeholders into account, not just their shareholders, and they outperform the S&P 500 by 14 to 1. And so the business case is there when you look at a lot of these, but then on the kind of smaller side with a lot of these small to mid cap companies, some of the major benefits that we see across the board, number one is employee attraction and retention. Um, I oftentimes talk to entrepreneurs that are working, you know, have some sort of purpose baked into their company and their retention rates are like in the 90 percentile. Um, I I think new Belgium brewery based in Fort Collins, I think they have a 99% retention rate. Um, and so retention is a huge one as well as consumer, Um, loyalty is another one where, you know, if you're doing the right things and you're able to tell the story of why you do what you do and how you do it, consumers will follow. And the up and coming generation is demanding this of brands. And then I think that kind of, we call it the millennial mindset because it's not just millennials who are demanding change. It's, it's really pervading all levels of society and people want their, the brands that they buy from to have some sort of purpose. Um, and they'll become repeat customers rather than just one off customers. If there's a story that they can really attach to. For sure. And 
Do you think there's a particular reason why it's been so difficult? Or it's getting better, but it's been difficult for conscious businesses to break into the mainstream world and not just be niche. Yeah, I think um, my immediate thoughts on that are a lot of the conglomeration. Um, the <laughs> These big companies, when you look at diagrams of who owns what in the marketplace, there's like six companies that own almost everything. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, when we're talking about consumer goods, really, um, not other industries, but, um, the kind of aggregation of all of these brands, is making it really hard for small to mid cap companies across the board, not just mission driven ones, but small to mid cap companies to compete. Um, but beyond that, I, I, I don't see too many differences between like a conscious company versus a, a typical small to mid cap company in terms of the challenges that they're facing breaking into the market, they seem to be the same um, staffing and growth and investors and uh, you know all of the typical issues that companies are dealing with. Yeah, so it's not so much that they are they have a purpose baked into it. It's more so just they're smaller than these yep. huge companies that kind of control the scene. Yeah, that's that's my thoughts on it. But who am I? <laughs> <laughs> Well, how do you think we can help elevate all of these small businesses that especially are driven by a purpose? Yeah, I mean, um, that's a great question. One of the, I was just last week, Eileen Fisher, she invited a whole bunch of female CEOs to come to her um, headquarters in Irvington, New York. And the common denominator that all of us had is one, we were all female CEOs, but the second was that we were all B Corp certified. Um, and getting the word out about what B Corp certification is and looking for the B Corp logo when you buy brands. Um, so looking for B Corp certification on brands as consumers, like we are, as a company, we're attempting to really only partner and work with companies that have some sort of purpose or mission. Um, and you can find those, there's all sorts of different industry groups out there from conscious capitalism to social venture network, to the business Alliance for local living economies, um, where you can find businesses of all shapes and sizes that have some sort of purpose or some sort of mission baked into what they do. And so as a company, we have made the commitment that those are the only types of companies that we're going to work with um, as much as we possibly can. And then as consumers, just really trying to educate yourself and get out there and understand which companies you should support and why and how they make their products and what their policies are. Um, just it's a lot about kind of consu- education Um which of course is a bit of a barrier because we're all so dang busy that it takes a, it's hard to, you know, spend time actually educating yourself about the products you're buying, but uh, it's, it's one small step that you can do. Yeah. And when we take a step back to look at just positive change in the world in general, I know that inspiring change in consumer behavior, inspiring change in companies and in policy, they're all really important and have to go hand in hand. Do you think there's one that can create positive change more quickly than the others or one that has to come first in order for the others to happen? That's a great question. Um, I think one of the things that we try to do as a media company is provide a space and a voice for all of the different industry groups and all of the different um, ideas and all the different thought leadership to come together. And I think after doing that now for 
three and a half years of looking at all of the different ideas and all the things that need to happen to begin to move the needle. I think we need to kind of attack the problem from as many different angles as we possibly can. And so I don't think that there's like a silver bullet per se. I think that one of the biggest areas that B Corp actually, the B Lab, the nonprofit that certifies B Corp identified was the issue that I brought up earlier is this shareholder centric capitalism. As long as corporations that are public are required to have quarterly returns and are required to do what's in the best interest of their shareholders, um, we're not going to make too much progress, which is why B Lab came out with Benefit Corporation, um, which is a, a legal structure that then re- actually requires you to not only take into account your shareholders, but all of your stakeholders. And that can include the environment. And so um, I think a, like a grand sweeping change that could happen is as many people to certify as public benefit corporations. Um, which is different than B Corp certification, where it's actually a legal structure for the company that requires you to look at stakeholders. So that's like the biggest one that I've seen where I've like that. I like if, as, if many big companies started doing that, that would be great. But um, there's so many different issues that need to be tackled. Yeah. And how can we as individuals support that change? Oh, geez. Um, I mean, Obviously, kind of if you if you are a business owner, taking a look at B Corp certification as well as public benefit corporation status, and and trying to change your legal structure to that, um, and then of course supporting con- as consumers support you know our where we what we buy the companies where, that we buy from and the dollars that we spend every single day. You're you're voting with your dollar about what type of world you want to see. And so if you know that there's companies out there that are really walking the talk and are doing a great job, support them as much as you can. Um, and probably also checking in with B lab, the nonprofit who certifies public benefit corporation and seeing what more they're talking about in terms of what the public can do to help make that transition would be helpful. Yeah. And over all of these years, what's been your personal biggest learning lesson? Just like having an unyielding persistence and grit and belief in what you're doing. Um, I, I would say the last 18 months up until the beginning of this year were the hardest 18 months of my life, like no doubt about it. And all of that was related to the business. And um, there were multiple, multiple times where I felt like I was staring down the barrel of a gun and things were not going to go well. And it worked out. And there were multiple times within that time period where I I just wanted to give up. And and I've heard this from so many entrepreneurs is like at that moment where you are like 100% sure that you should throw in the towel and give up, that's the moment where you should actually dig in and just like put your head down. And I've also, I think there's I don't even remember that I'm going to butcher this uh, theory, but I think there was someone who was talking about that moment when you're about to give up, you're, you're actually only at like 30% of what you can take as a human. Mm-hmm. And so to like, remember that, that you still have like 70% left to give. Um, so there's been a lot of lessons about just grit and persistence and just sticking with it and doing what I have to do to get it done. And (laughs) with the caveat that self-care is the number one thing that I can do for my team and for all of our customers is to take care of myself. 
Um, Because when I am thriving and firing on all cylinders and healthy and getting sleep and eating right and doing all the things I need to do to take care of myself, and the absolute best version of myself, I can see that reflected in my team and the work that we do. And when I'm burning myself out and frustrated and stressed out and working too much, uh, that also trickles down to my entire team. So there's a massive lesson in there just about taking care of yourself. Yeah. And what what are you most proud of having accomplished in sustainability that's helped to elevate this industry? Oh, wow. There's two things that come up. One is just that the magazine has really elevated itself to become this voice of the movement and that we really represent a wide range of voices. And we're putting out our 19th issue um, and have done hundreds and hundreds of stories. And I set out uh, with my co-founder to really um, tell as many stories as we possibly could and celebrate all of the entrepreneurs and the business owners that are doing business the right way. And I would say we've done a fantastic job of that. So I feel I so feel so proud of our team that we've been able to, to put out so many issues and tell so many stories. And then also our convenings. We... Um, Last year, we we pioneered kind of our first big annual gathering, which was the Conscious Company Leaders Forum. And we had over 200 leaders show up uh, for a big three-day gathering. And we're, we're attempting to build a new space and a new way for business leaders to be together where they can like take off the mask and they don't have to uh, pretend that everything's fine where we can actually talk to each other and um, have real honest conversations about what's going on in the sustainable business arena. And I think we're doing a great job of building these brave spaces. Um, so we did that last year at the leaders forum. And this year uh, in February, we hosted our first ever women's only conference, the world changing women's summit. And Again, we were just really successful in building a beautiful, brave space where we had a lot of women tell stories on stage for the very first time in their life. And um, so we're somehow like blending this really cool capacity that we have for building authentic, raw spaces where business leaders can come and talk shop. And so I, I feel really proud of the convenings that we put together thus far. Yeah. And what's next for you? What's next for your company that we can look forward to and support? Oh, geez. So we have our second annual Conscious Company Leaders Forum is June 6th to the 8th at 1440 Multiversity outside of Santa Cruz, California. Um, And then building on the Women's Summit that we did in February in June, we're going to be launching a new initiative. Um, we, we actually got acquired in December by a group called intentional media. And so we're now sister companies with SoCap, which is a huge impact investing and social entrepreneurship conference and the good capital project and another brand called what will it take movements. And the four of those brands, we're we're all going to come together to launch, uh, in a new initiative called the year of women. And we're going to be doing essentially an event per month from June to June, uh, June 2018 to June 2019, focusing on the intersection of women in business, women in money, and women in politics, and bringing together the networks that all those brands have to start having really robust conversations around major areas where women still need 
better representation. And so I'm really excited for that. And where can we go to find all of this information? Where can we buy the magazine? ConsciousCompanyMedia.com is where you can find everything. And then the soon-to-be-launched website, YearOfWomen.com, is where all the initiatives about um, all of our women in business, women in money, women in politics events will be held, and there'll be a bunch of content on there as well. Um, And then the Leaders Forum is ConsciousCompanyLeadersForum.com. Before we go into our final five tips for you, I wanted to say, if you get a chance to share this episode or the podcast anywhere on social media, make sure to tag me at Kamea Shane and use the hashtag Green Dreamer so I can find you. I honestly really enjoy getting to hear your biggest takeaways, favorite quotes, and what's helped you from these episodes, because that will really help me be able to ask questions that would be most helpful to you going forward. So tag me at Kamea Shane and use the hashtag Green Dreamer. Now to our final five and my two key takeaways. Let's power through. Other than Conscious Company Media, what's a publication or a social media you follow for inspiration? I just found one yesterday that I'm so excited about. It's called Rank and File Magazine and looks mm-hmm. like they do pretty much the same thing we do. Uh, young, run by another young-ish woman and uh, they look super cool. Cool. We'll have to check that out. Uh, what do you say to yourself to stay motivated? <laughs> we have a internal little acronym that we use. It's called FWO. That's E-F-W-O. And it stands for everything frickin' works out, but we don't say frickin'. Um, <laughs> want to cuss on your podcast. Um, but it's one of our core values as a team is to have radical trust that everything is unfolding exactly as it's supposed to. And our little acronym for that is FWO. Mm -hmm. And what's a must do for your health, either daily or weekly? Yoga is weekly and daily as uh, I like to take a nice long walk. What's a simple action we can take for our planet's health this week? Eat less meat, uh, <laughs> says the Boulder girl. Um, and also, for frick's sake, uh, use a water bottle. Um, I, the number of times I see people using single-use single plastic bottles drives me completely insane. But there's a water bottle company. I'm going to give them a big plug because I'm friends with their founder, Ryan. They're called Mir, M-I-I-R. And every water bottle that you buy, they give out or they have these incredible water projects all over the world. Um, but grab a couple water bottles, keep one in your bag, one in your car, and like just use a dang water bottle. <laughs> for sure. Super easy. Uh, what makes you most hopeful for our world right now? Um, I would say these young people, man. I Watching the student protests over gun control right now, I... Sorry, I know you're asking for like a one to two sentence, but I'm just <laughs> that loud. So I, I was in high school when Columbine happened, and and Columbine was in the same school district that I was here in Colorado. And we were on lockdown in my high school. Mm. And that was 17 or 18 years ago. And we still haven't had any change made. And watching these students just say enough and start protesting and figuring out how to organize walkouts and do all this stuff, I am just... I'm sad that it's taken so dang long, but I I am just brought to tears every time I see these young people who are standing up for what they believe in. And I swear, if this is the next generation coming in, traditional business better watch out because these, these, I'm not going to call them kids. These young people are not 
going to stand for companies that don't have some sort of higher purpose beyond profit. Mm -hmm. And what final words of wisdom do you have for us as Green Dreamers? Oh, just, I'm just going to go with Nike. Just do it. (laughs) Just do the thing. Um, Like, stop thinking about the thing that you think you might want to do or the dream that you might want to go after and just start taking a small action. Like I always just tell people, just put one foot after the other, identify what the one next step is and go do it. You're probably going to do some things wrong along the way and that's fine. You're going to learn from those mistakes, but you're never going to make any progress if you just continue to think about the thing you want to do. Just go take action on anything that you're trying to do. Just do it, Green Dreamer. Don't overthink things. Just go at it. Just do it. Here are my two takeaways from the episode for you. Number one, to thrive personally and professionally requires us to find that fine balance between pushing ourselves beyond what we think we're capable of doing and recognizing when we need to take a breather to just take care of ourselves. And number two, To inspire positive change in big corporations, we have to learn to speak their language first. That is, how can we frame what we want them to do in terms of how it'll benefit them, how it'll benefit their priorities and their bottom line instead of just, this is what we want you to do for us. You know, it's always um, a better argument to frame things in terms of, this is how it'll help you rather than this is what I want. I hope that makes sense. But there, that's a wrap. It's time to go out there to make some waves. And as always, if you have any feedback to share with me, you know where to reach me on Instagram at Kamea Shane, or you can email me at hello at greendreamer.com. And finally, remember, now more than ever, our planet needs your light to thrive. So if you haven't yet, hit subscribe and Green Dreamer, I will catch you later.